Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. We at Keystone Elder Law have a mission. That mission is to shield the middle class from the costs of getting older. And I started this show because the time is coming for so many people when they will need someone else to make decisions for them, pay bills for them, make health care choices for them, make decisions about real estate, and, you know, along the way, hopefully protect and preserve as much of the person's hard-earned savings as possible. And there are ways to plan for incapacity when you can no longer do these things for yourself. There are ways to protect assets in your estate planning documents. If you've never done an estate plan or if you haven't thought about your estate plan in decades, I offer weekly workshops to go over the questions that you may want to be asking for yourself and your family. You can go to KeystoneElderLaw.com. And use the workshops tab to see when the next upcoming online workshop is. You can take it in from the comfort of your home. Of course, previous episodes of this show are available at whp580.com. If you go to the upper left-hand corner, there's a menu, and you find us under the podcast menu. Or if you have the iHeart app on your phone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the rest. One thing you pick up on when I do these workshops, when I do speaking engagements in the community when I do this show is I keep coming back to things like dementia. I come back to incapacity because if you're not planning for incapacity, you you don't really have a plan. The Alzheimer's Association says one in three people will develop dementia during their lifetime. And it's not just the one person who is afflicted by this terrible disease. It impacts the whole family. And I want to talk today about some of the resources that are available for that whole family, but in particular, we're going to go a little deeper on one thing that happens when people have not done the adequate planning that I'm talking about, and that's guardianship, which is a surefire way to get your decisions made for you. A court is appointing somebody to make them for you, but there's an an awful lot more that goes into guardianship. My guest today is Tina Hess with Good News Consulting. You can find them online at goodnewsconsulting.com or 717-843-1504. Tina, thank you for your time today and sharing your expertise. Thank you, Patrick. I'm very pleased to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. And, you know, we've we've worked together in the past. I, I've said to you offline that I, I wish we could clone Good News Consulting and just sort of plant Good News Consulting all over central Pennsylvania. But your organization does so much. I mean, from the training the actual professionals out there in care settings, uh, dementia-friendly practices and so forth, to working with families. Um, And, and, you know, they've just gotten a diagnosis of dementia and they want to know, what do we do now? And, and of course, you also uh, serve as appointed guardian when that becomes necessary. So let's start with the last one. You know, either one of us could talk about guardianship for quite a while, but but what, what do you think people need to know about guardianship, the types of guardianship and so forth? Sure, would love to. I can get it on my soapbox. This may take longer, but we're going to keep it keep it condensed for today. <laughs> well, we've been doing guardianship um, since 2004. 
Um, it's just something that has been very near and dear to my heart as I continue to expand this for Good News Consulting. You know, guardianship is not something that happens quickly and lightly. It really is a serious matter. Um, and guardianship certainly takes, you know, takes the toll on a family. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. I say that I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, especially when people haven't planned appropriately or efficiently. So I've seen it that guardianship has really, you know, brought families together because when we've become the guardian of um, their loved one, sometimes it allows family to just be the loved one and not have to make those hard decisions and not be the bad guy. So in that case, we've got broad shoulders and we become the guardian. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we certainly know that and uh, know what we're getting into. And then there's those moments where, you know, guardian is just not something that anybody wants or expects. It's not something that you choose to uh, elect, like a power of attorney. So, again, I can get on my soapbox and say, please, please, please plan appropriately. Get your power of attorney done when possible so that you don't have to go a guardianship. Yeah, mode. we're on the same soapbox there, and I'm, <laughs> I'm on that soapbox most days of the week and, and uh, in the evenings when I do these workshops where – I tell people, like, if you don't make your own plan that you feel comfortable with, the people, you know, so it's all a private matter. You just choose if I, if I'm, if ever, ever happens where I'm not able to make my decisions, pay my bills, do my taxes, I'm choosing the person who it's going to be. And if it's not that person, then another person, as opposed to everything you're talking about, having broad shoulders, because, it, you know, by design, it, it doesn't go quickly because we're stripping away the person's rights. Mm-hmm. It is a big deal. And where the court is appointing someone who is going to make all of your decisions for you, and it's in a very public setting. So you're right. It takes a while because it's a big deal. Um, what are some of the circumstances where where you feel like you have to be the bad guy? I mean, if, if guy, I know that might be an exaggeration to some extent, but if, if you feel that way or you have mm-hmm. a long day at the office because you're the guardian, you're having to say no because you're doing a responsible thing. What are sort of the... Uh, if you're looking out for that incapacitated person, you've been appointed by the court to do that. What are some of the challenges you get then from families if they haven't thought this through or made their own plans? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, Patrick, because one of the things that I'm most proud of with the Good News Gang, what we affectionately call ourselves, is that we all come from long-term care, whether it's personal care, skilled care, administration, nursing, um, we have that background, and so we do feel that it's kind of like, you know, that T-shirt, been there, done that. But we like this side of advocacy so much better because even though guardianship is stripping somebody of their rights, now, again, it depends on what the court order says and whether you're that plenary guardian, whether you're invo- uh, you know in charge of everything, or you're limited. So we obviously have to go by the court's decision first. But we are looking at the person, and that's one of the things that we at Good News really does is look at the person, talk about person-centered care. We're seeing that person for the diagnoses, for what we're learning in court, why we've been there. And so we really want to focus back on, if it's appropriate, to bring that family together, to get to know the person of who they were, who they are prior to the guardianship. And so we need to look at the people the support systems that are there with that person. Now, in some circumstances, though, there may not be anybody. There may be family that has been um, estranged for a while. There may be family that we as a guardian have to make that hard decision to say, you are not 
doing any good to this loved one. And sometimes we've had to, you know, separate or we've had to monitor certain um, certain interactions. So that's really, really hard when you have to do that. But a lot of the times, even though there are bad circumstances that get us involved in these circumstances with guardianship, sometimes it's a relief to the family, though, also, because we say, look, now we have to make the decisions. The court's appointing us. We want you to be the daughter. We want you to be the son. We want you to be family and be supportive. We'll do all the hard work and all the hard decisions, whether it's making medical decisions, making financial decisions. Right now, I have a care manager at a house right now, and we're getting ready to have to take him out of his apartment and place him in long-term care. And that's a really tough thing to do. And sometimes, even though we're very much person-centered care and want people to stay at home as long as possible, be in the less restrictive um, place to be, sometimes it's just not possible for their safety. So those are hard decisions that we have to make. Sure. I'm glad you did, though, raise the flip side, which is, You know, sometimes a person hasn't made a power of attorney to avoid guardianship in the first place uh, because they they outlived everybody. They their their family's estranged, whatever the case may be. Other times they have named somebody who's just making a mess out of it because they just don't have the the wherewithal to understand bank statements and, you know, the responsibilities of of paying someone's bills. And that's where you truly can be a lifesaver as the guardian to just say, look, you be the the son or daughter, you be the spouse and we'll take care of the, you know, all of yeah. these adult responsibilities that have to be done. So I'm glad you raised mm-hmm. that side of it. Well, you know, Patrick, you also said something, too, that, you know, it certainly is an easier process to go to elect a power of attorney. But you also have to make sure that you have the right person Absolutely. making those decisions in your life. We do get involved in a lot of um, a lot of scenarios where that power of attorney just wasn't doing their fiduciary responsibility and you don't know what you don't know until yeah. you have to know it. But sometimes it's a little too late in the situations where then we are having to step in to the role of that guardian and having that court intervention because that power of attorney didn't do what they should have been doing. So not only is it important to have a power of attorney, make sure you have the right people that you trust in your life. Absolutely. And when I'm talking to people about estate planning, it's they, they might wonder why I'm spending so much time talking about the family dynamics and how do people get along with each other and with the parents and, you know, what's their background, what's their health looking like. And it's all because I want the plan to work. I want people in the right seats, you know, to do what they need to do. Um, so important, so important. Well, my guest today is is Tina Hess from Good News Consulting. We'll be back in a moment for more of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm your host, Patrick Cauley, and my guest today is Tina Hess from Good News Consulting. You can find them on the the web at goodnewsconsulting.com. Their phone number is 717-843-1504. And Tina, before the break, you were talking about the role that you find yourself in uh, at Good News Consulting when you're serving as the guardian. And I, I think we should sort of put that in in perspective as, as far as the, it is a legal process. It is a process when people either haven't uh, come up with a power of attorney, a health care power of attorney of their own. In other words, they've made their own plan so the government's plan does not apply. Or if they did make a plan and it just fell apart because – 
I don't know, somebody who has the power of attorney is just simply unable to do the job or they're stealing from the person who is incapacitated or, you know, for whatever other reason, guardianship is designed to be a last resort. But it starts with a petition being filed in court. There is a hearing there. There is an open court. The incapacitated person is supposed to be there. There's there's testimony from a medical perspective and some other perspectives as to why that person can no longer make financial or healthcare decisions for themselves. And then there's going to be some sort of uh, something to satisfy the court that the good news consulting of the world or whoever the, the family guardian that they are in a good position to make the right decisions and, and handle the responsibilities. So, you know, have I nailed the sort of like the process of how it gets started? In other words, somebody can't just call you and say, would you be my guardian? <laughs> yes, exactly right, Patrick. I got this question today about somebody, could you be my guardian? Well, it just doesn't work that way. Like you said, it's very much a legal process. And it really, I look at, at it in two parts. One is deeming somebody as an incapacitated person. Years ago, you know, and people still toss the word around incompetent. Um, Incapacitated is a little bit more softer. um, But, you know, the courts are still looking at um, what defines that person. And I, I can read you the definition here in Pennsylvania. An incapacitated person means an adult whose ability to receive and evaluate information effectively and communicate decisions in ways that is impaired to such a significant extent that he or she is partially or totally unable to manage his financial resources or to meet essential requirements for his or own his or her own physical health and safety whether or not an individual is incapacitated within the meaning uh, meaning of the statute depends on their actions not on a diagnosis so a medical diagnosis of Alzheimer's or some type of dementia is not enough to meet the statutory definition. So it goes back to that legal process and really putting together the testimony to show that this person, number one, is incapacitated, and number two, if so, do they need a guardian? And then what type of of powers are given to that guardian? And even before that is who is the right person to be a guardian? Right. And I would add one more thing. It's after is the person truly incapacitated? And and I guess that even, as you, you alluded to, breaks up into, well, maybe they can make some decisions but not others. So right. they only need a guardian for, for certain decisions. And, and the approach is, is there any less restrictive way to do this? So the, if the court can find a way to say no to guardianship because – well, we have this way to pay bills or we have this way to make medical decisions. Mm-hmm. The court is supposed to do that and say no to guardianship. So it really is a, a last resort. Um, and I think, you know, everything that you've said, though, going into this, you already understand the family or the, the incapacitated person. You understand who they were. Uh, that goes a long way towards pointing out okay, we can meet some less restrictive standard because they just need us to do this. Or And even if they need they need help on everything, um, you're going to be able to satisfy the court that you're in a, the best position to not just say, well, you know, we're checking boxes here. No, this is somebody who really did their homework and understands what this person needs to, to live the best life they can, even in incapacity. And the law is very clear that they are supposed to, the incapacitated person is supposed to continue to play a role in decision-making if, it, if it's at all possible, you know, so you, you do work with them, but 
you know, you, it, you have to know the person to figure out what, what level of participation they can have. Absolutely right. And I think that's one thing that, that we look at here at the Good News Consulting staff is that we are dementia specialists. That is our specialty. And so we, again, are looking at that person. We are evaluating where are they at the stage in their disease process, you know, how much can they do for themselves? And really it's looking at not what they can't do, but what can they still do? And then being able to take what they're still able to do and really enhance that. So if we have a plenary guardianship and I have the court order that is giving me, uh, you know, the ability to make all decisions and it's not limited, we're still looking at that person's abilities. That is still helping Again, we've said, Patrick, that this is taking away somebody's human rights. This is a big deal. It's also the reason why the courts really want to see people in the courtrooms, or if they can't for one reason or another, medically, cognitively, having that testimony from physicians and having court-appointed counsel that is truly representing the the alleged incapacitated person. So that is um, legislation that's um, that's you know, in the process right now to make sure that everybody who is an alleged incapacitated person has legal counsel so that they can come to the courthouse and speak on behalf of their client as well. Well, and again, I, I know it well. Them there. <laughs> I, I've seen every draft of that legislation because I'm on uh, legislative panels for the, the Bar Association and the Elder Law Attorneys Association. And that actually has been a little controversial simply because you know, when you get into the the uh, less populated parts of Pennsylvania, they might not have that many attorneys to begin with in the county, and then even fewer who understand how guardianship works. Maybe they do real estate transactions. You know, they don't know anything about guardianship. So it's we're we're all striving for the same thing, which is is a a true advocate for the alleged incapacitated person, so that nobody's railroaded into this. No, nobody just has their rights stripped away. But um, there have been some concerns that we, we just want to make sure there are going to be attorneys who can take those uh, those cases on and and represent them. So that's a whole other rabbit hole I could Absolutely. go down. But it's a fascinating <laughs> issue. And speaking of of guiding standards and and the changes in the law that are that are under that are mm-hmm. still under consideration, not much is happening in Harrisburg right now. They they can't pass a budget, yeah. so <laughs> they're not passing this guardianship statute either. So, um, but but when you do your work as a guardian, um, I I assume there are standards and best practices. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Well, in the state of Pennsylvania, unfortunately, there are no real. Um, laws that are governing, like, for example, you don't have to be a member of the Guardianship Association. You don't have to be certified. Now, again, there's other legislation that's on the books right now. Um, and as we said, that's probably another rabbit hole to go down another day. <laughs> but um, for Good News Consulting, when we started this um, guardianship business in 2004, I was highly encouraged at that time to become a member of the National Guardianship Association. And boy, if I knew then what I know now, I mean, I would certainly... Let's just put it this way. I love NGA. They are totally supportive for people like me who are professional guardians. They do have a lot of support for family guardians. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do here in Pennsylvania as well is really educate families who are put into the positions of being guardian. Patrick, I've seen so many instances where families have become guardians 
and they have no idea what they just got themselves Absolutely. into. They walk out of the courtroom and they ask me questions and they don't know that there are annual reports. There's an inventory if you're a guardian of, of the estate. So all of these mechanisms to help to kind of protect the, uh, the incapacitated person are in place, but families far too often don't have the education and knowledge. And again, as I said, you don't know what you don't know until yeah. you need to know. And it's sort of county by county that's spotty, <laughs> yes. where some counties really do well, where they, they have all kinds of education and training available. If you're getting into this, know what you need to do. Know how you fill out those annual reports. Others, it's just sort of they're, they're asked a question in court. Do you understand what your responsibilities will be? And the person, of course, says yes, and then... Mm-hmm. They have no idea. And then you're going to hear from the from the court if you miss a deadline, you know, if you don't do a report, that's a big deal. So, yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah, so so I am I'm totally on board with that as well. Getting more education out there for the people who are not pros at this like you are. Uh, there's there's a lot to understand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So as a professional guardian and having joined the National Guardianship Association, um, there are standards and ethics that I have to abide by. Um, I'm also a certified guardian. Again, not required, but it is something that I did immediately as well. And that has really guided me and helped guide me and my team that I supervise at Good News and to develop what we've been able to accomplish all these years, you know, having those standards and ethics to abide by, having books, having resources, going to conferences. Um, You know, I, I go at least once a year to the annual conference. So it's my way of getting to also, you know, see the United States of going through conferences, but I will be going in October again and looking forward to enhancing my knowledge again as a professional yeah, guardian. You really do just have to stay on top of it in order to be doing the best job, not only knowing the law and the standards, but better ideas for, for the human interest of it all. We'll be back for more with Tina Hess of Good News Consulting. That's goodnewsconsulting.com. We'll be back to discuss more about guardianship in a moment on the Later in Life Planning Show. You're listening to News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. My guest today is Tina Hess from Good News Consulting. You can find them on the web at goodnewsconsulting.com, 717-843-1504. Tina, before the break, you were talking about the National Guardians Association, and I can tell you from my experience working on legislation, both back when that was my full-time job in in the legislature, but now uh, as a member of various committees of elder law attorneys, um, NGA gets a lot of respect. I mean, if they come out with some sort of guideline, we we are pretty likely to have that reflected in changes in the law. But you were talking about how it's important to stay up on these best practices and standards, and maybe you can give a little bit more of a window into what that involves and why that makes a difference, you know, why you're glad you're doing that as opposed to just sort of winging it and and figuring it out as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't want to wing it when you're in this, uh, in this field, you know, it, it could be a highly contagious, uh, litigious world if, uh, if you aren't really doing what you're supposed to. So, you know, I have found that the National Guardianship Association gives me the education and support that I need to help guide my team, you know, guide me as a, as a, professional legal guardian. And so um, I found it such a great support, um, just 
you know, again, I was talking about how I would travel every year for the annual conferences. And, you know, I started doing that back in 2004, and I've only missed one conference, but it's because I was in Hawaii for a wedding, so I kind of figured that one doesn't count. Uh, yeah, they probably let it pass. <laughs> Good excuse. But I love those. And in the early days, it was really great. There were so few of us from Pennsylvania. In fact, I remember one that I think I was only like a handful of people. And um, and I always would say, boy, it's so exciting to learn what other states are doing and felt like, you know, guardianship world was so far advanced. So a couple of years ago, you know, when, when Pennsylvania started the Elder Abuse Task Force, it was really exciting to know that we were really starting to concentrate on, on this issue here in Pennsylvania. And um, so that's been very exciting to finally go to conferences where there's a dozen of us or more, and we can, you know, we're getting highlighted now of what some, some of the work that Pennsylvania is doing. So it's nice to be sitting with other Pennsylvanians that we only see each other one time a year. And uh, so it's really really nice to, to have that support and, you know, get recognized for what Pennsylvania is doing. So back in November, again, something really exciting, in November, the National Guardianship Association wanted to pilot a statewide organization. So we started the Pennsylvania Guardianship Network. So since November, we've had a group of people trying to lead this charge Again, for education, for family guardians, for professional guardians, supporting all of us in the work we do. But even more so is getting the word out to the public. What is guardianship? You alluded to the fact earlier that even county by county, things are done differently. So you have court systems that are not always doing things the same way. You've got banks in these counties. You've got offices of aging. There's so much differences. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but there's just sometimes not the consistency or the education or knowledge. So one of the things that the Pennsylvania Guardianship Network is really trying to focus in on is educating. Sometimes, Patrick, I'm even trying to educate banks when I go in, because when I say that I'm a guardian of an estate, they think that it's a dead person because in their (laughs) world... That's what they're used to hearing, right. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes it's just even evening the playing ground and, you know, educating each other and uh, supporting each other in that knowledge. So, you know, it's been an interesting ride the past couple of years, and we still feel like we're having the same conversations, especially when you're telling, let's say, somebody else in like a financial institution world, and, oh, you are the power of attorney. No, I just said to you that I'm the guardian. I'm a court-appointed guardian, and still people don't always have the knowledge of what that is. Right. So education is a journey. I don't think there's ever going to be an ending. (laughs) No, and so you have patience along the way. But I just think that's fantastic that there's this collegiality of people who are on the same like-minded mission. Um, I find that in the, the practice of elder law as well. You know, the, the Pennsylvania Association of Elder Law Attorneys, there's a national association as well. And every day emails are flying. It's like, you know, I say this to my, my colleagues who practice in other areas of law, and they're astonished that we don't see each other as competition, even if it's like, you know, they could they could have their office right next door to mine. And they're not competition because there aren't enough of us to go around, just as there are not enough guardians to, to go around. <laughs> and so we were always, you know, taking names out, of course, but saying, hey, I have a family going through this or this. This is how I'm thinking about doing it. And then we swap ideas. And, and that's how you get better. You put your mind together and you, you challenge each other. Um, and it's great that you get together with other people and that you're trying to get this Pennsylvania guardian 
Guardian uh, Guardianship Network going, um, the the effect on those lobbying for changes in the law is noticeable. And there are there are definitely some influential people who have taken the time to like you have to get really good at this. so what are some of the other what are what are you tracking as things other than education? Mm-hmm. You know, the educating the financial institutions, educating family members. What are some of the other goals that that you've you've mm-hmm. seen in the works that just aren't quite across the finish sure. line? Well, another thing that's a couple years uh, old now in, in Pennsylvania is the guardianship tracking system. You know, again, I told you we I would go to these conferences and we'd hear all this wonderful data and statistics from other states, and we didn't have that until just a couple of years ago. Yeah. So the AOPC, the administrative offices of the Pennsylvania courts, developed this GTS guardianship tracking system. And I love it. It was very controversial at first. Um, I'm loving it because it's there for you. You sit at your computer, you get your reports done, and it's bringing in the data that is necessary to help make sure that there are good guardians doing good work out there. And so that's a a good thing that's happening. And I haven't heard a lot of data yet, um, and it may be because I'm too busy just doing my (laughs) day-to-day work about guardianship. But uh, I know these are things that will be coming up in our guardianship network, and it's great to see so many guardians that are out there. I had no idea. Um, There's still not enough of us professional guardians to help with the caseload and the amount of of referrals that come in. I can absolutely verify that (laughs) because I sometimes have to look around because there is no family member suitable. And I, I need a good professional guardian and, yes. you know, and, and I know you probably have, there's only so much that you're the good news gang can do and, <laughs> and maybe geographic limitations. And if I have somebody who's in North Central Pennsylvania, I just, I want to call you and say, well, you need to go all the way up there and do this because you're the only one I trust. But, um, uh, but yeah, that, so there, there aren't enough. I, I know this yeah. because we've yeah. looked. Yeah. Well, I say there's, you know, those in that Pittsburgh kind of that Pittsburgh or that West Coast of Pennsylvania. And then there's the East Coast of Pennsylvania. Then there's the rest of us in between. And I always say, like, that rest of us in between, that's about where good news goes. I mean, we don't go any place, any any distance over two hours. Two hours is definitely um, the limit. Um, you know, you, you can't just jump in your car and drive around the corner. So when there are emergencies, you want to be able to be there. Um, but for example, I'm driving, in fact, on Friday, I'm um, doing a lot of work up in Carbon County, especially in weather, uh, in weather, weatherly. Um, so I'm up there at least once a month. And I have about 10 clients in that area that I go to visit. I'm visiting them to see how they're doing. Even if they can't physically talk to me because of their cognitive status or any other disability, I'm still eyeballing them to make sure that they are looking comfortable, they're looking clean, they're, you know, whatever I need to to be assessing. And then I sit with the social workers and the nurses and find out how they're doing. Sometimes we'll review the care plan meeting in between care plan meeting, um, you know, notices. But, um, you know, going there at least on a monthly basis to check them out to make sure that they are okay. And that is something that comes as a best practice. Again, not necessarily a law, but a best practice that we have always, um, at Good News Consulting, we have always, um, you know, kept very faithful at that one, um, at least one time a month visit. But boy, was it hard during COVID, Patrick. Oh, that I'm sure. really was a hard thing to do, especially with most of our clients having some form of dementia. So it wasn't so easy to get on face, you know, FaceTime with with clients. But right. uh, you did what you had to do back then. So and listeners might be wondering why is that not right in the guardianship law? Why is that not in some sort of 
or a court's order that you must visit so many times. You must actually be in the physical presence of the person and put eyes on them because you learn so much more about their well-being. Mm-hmm. And I guess the challenge is you get to a point where you're micromanaging the, the guardian and but but there should be some sort of guiding standard, mm-hmm. you know, where where you're not you're not just sort of mailing it in. You can't right. do that. And right. that's why I, I imagine you have a limitation on how far you can drive, because if you're going to do this right, it's going to be time intensive. Yes. I always say it's about quality, not quantity. Right. So plus Good News Consulting does more than just guardianship. It's kind of a one little segment of what we do takes up a lot of time. It's very time consuming. Um, and it, it's part of our mission work. You know, right. it certainly is because we're doing the right thing. Um, one of my staff members always says, like, it is a pleasure when I am appointed to be your, you know, your loved one's guardian. And she really looks at it in that aspect. And I think we all do uh, because we realize that there's a reason why a third party guardian is put into the mix right. um, and going to visit. Again, though, I go back to those standards and and practices that we have abided by since day one. Yeah. It just makes sense, and it's the right thing to do. And we're going to take a break, but I want to come back and talk about some of the other services that Good News Consulting uh, provides to people because the guardianship is is a crucial piece, but there's so much more for families out there who don't need a professional guardian but maybe need to be shown the way about how to work with a, a loved one with dementia. We'll be back in a second on the Later in Life Planning Show you are listening to News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, your host, Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Colley. I'm your host, and my guest today is Tina Hess from Good News Consulting. You can find them on the web at goodnewsconsulting.com. Their phone number is 717 843 1504. And we're speaking today, we've spoken a lot about guardianship, but really it's pro- it's part of a broader mission for helping people who become incapacitated, especially with dementia. Uh, as common as that has become and is becoming, uh, there is a, a wave of you know people coming who are going to need this kind of help in, in an incapacitated state. And you can do your own planning, and that's where Keystone Elder Law might come in, uh, or you you have guardianship to make all of your decisions for you. Um, and and you know we thank goodness for the good news consultings of the world because there are people who follow best practices and standards to to uh, to make decisions and take over really large parts of the life of an incapacitated person. But Tina, I want to I want to sort of shift a little bit. There might be people listening to me right now or listening uh, to this program and they're they're thinking, well, we had we did a you know power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney. We think we're ready uh, for our family member who now has a dementia diagnosis. But what do we do with that planning? Because just because you have the paper, you know, if they work with us at Keystone Elder Law, I do try to educate people on what's going to be involved. I, I send materials to the person assuming the client is okay with it, uh, who has been named to make decisions. But, you, you know, it's not like somebody is is put into that role like you are, where you've been spending all your time, you know, training for this and being ready for this. Um, what if somebody comes to you at Good News Consulting and says, well, we got this diagnosis. I think we have the legal planning. Maybe we have some financial planning done. So we don't need you as a guardian. But what? how can you show us the way? Because we have no idea what we're doing. Well, Good News Consulting started in 1998 
by being a training company that specializes in dementia care. So that has always been at the heart of what Good News has been been doing all these years. And that training, again, has occurred in long-term care facilities, in adult day and home care, all different aspects. But I think the one that is the most rewarding is working with families and helping them. Like you said, it's not about finances. It's not about those legal uh, paperwork. It's about taking care of the person. And a couple different things that we've been doing over the years, um, we have our what we call our Care Partner Connections Program. That started many years ago, and we actually uh, had a grant from the, the Pennsylvania Department of Aging where we were looking at um, training family members um, who were family caregivers with the objective of keeping people in their homes as long as possible. And that's what everybody wants. Of course. Who wants to go to nursing home? But let's face it, sometimes the reality just doesn't allow that to happen. So we can still help and train and educate. And I say educate and train because there's a difference between educating and imparting information. But we like to train. We like to give ideas on what to do, to how to help someone. And so one of our team members years ago had started this, what we call our Care Partner Connections Program. And it is a six-part series. It can stand on its own or can build upon each other, but it's really going through what what is dementia, how to communicate, what kind of behaviors might you see, and how to manage those behaviors Working with ADLs, and we always say, there's somebody says, what is an ADL? It is the activities of daily living, or even the IADLs, the uh, independent um, or instrumental um, um, activities, activities of, of daily, daily living. living. Yes. Got a little tongue tied there for a minute. We're just so used to throwing out the, the letters <laughs> that we forget what they stand for. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? I had, and this has stuck in my mind for, for more than 10 years, you know, that, that little old man in the back of the room, and we're throwing things around, and he's like, raises his hand very sheepishly and says, I'm sorry, what is an ADL? Well, we realize that, you know, we're in, we do this every single day and you can't make any assumptions. So that was kind of the wake up call. Like we really have to take, and what we do at Good News is take the same kind of information, education and training that we would be using with the professionals in long-term care settings and any other settings, and we make it language that is appropriate for the layperson, for the family caregiver, so that they're getting the same kind of continuity of care that they would even if they were in some um, you know, long, uh, long-term care uh, community. So our Care Partner Connections happens maybe twice a year where we have a sponsor to take care of the cost of of you know, putting together um, this these workshops. We have a three-ring binder. You get to add all this information to it, and, and you come to each session, and we have a little celebration, you know, at the end of it because six times coming through and, and you know, wanting to be a better caregiver. And, again, we never say that you're doing things wrong, but there's always ways to improve what you're doing because when you know better, you do better. And we have a staff member that just – loves to quote Maya Angelou. So we use that all the time. And that's really what we try to do is uh, is educate and train so that you can be the very best caregiver you can be. Yeah. And probably of all of that, I mean, obviously the activities of daily living, I mean, just getting, remembering to take medications, getting uh, out of bed, getting dressed, using the bathroom, having food. I mean, you have to 
you have to know the best ways to do that for somebody who is maybe not cooperative. Right. But it really comes down to communication. Mm-hmm. And there is an art and a science to some yes. extent to communicating <laughs> with a person with dementia and getting frustrated or losing patience is not going to solve <laughs> anything. So, <laughs> right, I mean, right. you know, to, to really practice and train to use the word that you're saying, I mean, that's understanding these are the scenarios. Mm-hmm. You you put your head in that space right now because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then here's how you deal with it. Right. Uh, that's I mean, that's changing the world because yeah. that will make all the difference in everybody's uh, good, good health. Absolutely. And part of that is, is teaching the caregiver how to take care of themselves, because when you're not taking care of yourself, right. you can't take care of somebody else effectively. So, you know, teaching that teaching, um, the how to's of caregiving and sharing resources. This is where we're sharing the resources in the community. So if we're in Cumberland County, we're going to share Cumberland County resources. If we're in York, York resources. And so we come together and are sharing, you know, the partnerships that we certainly have have made over the years. The other thing that we've been doing, oh, we are going on more than 15 years, Patrick. I, I keep dating myself. But we have a big annual event called Making a Difference in Dementia Care, where a whole bunch of resources from the community come together. For the last three years, we've had a national author come in and speak with us. And um, Loretta Vaney, if you don't know her, look her up. She is a fantastic woman um, who has become a very avid, avid advocate, too, um, who took care of her mother but lost her in the, in the last two years. Um, we also have a virtual support group every third Tuesday of the month from 630 to 730, and we have um, a collaboration with the Alzheimer's Association. We started it during covid but we realize that there are people from Florida and Maine and Philly and all over the place, not just York. So we decided that we were going to keep it virtual. That's and fantastic. And how, how do people connected. find out about that? How would they get so, it? So you can um, contact us at Good News Consulting, which you've given that information, and I know you'll share that. Or you can actually go through to register uh, with the Alzheimer's Association, and that number is one 800 272 3900 and you can ask to be part of the good news consulting virtual support group so we got lots of things going on um we are also really pleased that we are part of the dementia friendly pennsylvania movement yes talk about that oh it's so exciting um Back in in the um, fall, well, it was September of 2022 that uh, Pennsylvania became an official dementia-friendly state, and that has been uh, endorsed by the Pennsylvania Department of Aging and Secretary Torres at the time, and it has become this wonderful grassroots kind of effort to um, help to decrease the stigma of dementia, raise awareness, and really get... um, Again, I'm gonna. It, it, it's a national movement, but we are part of the Pennsylvania movement, and I am very proud to say I'm one of the co-facilitators for dementia-friendly York Adams. So we've got a lot of great things going on. We have a community action team. We've got we just registered 64 members to that team, and so we're really pleased that these are people from real estate agents to auctioneers to people in long-term care. The York Revolution baseball team um, has gone through some of the training. Um, it's really exciting to see the business world coming together. So you can get more information for anywhere you are um, at DementiaFriendlyPA.org. 
or DementiaFriendsPA.org. Dementia Friends is the curriculum that feeds into being a friendly neighborhood. So you too can be part. Wonderful. I, I don't know how you have time to sleep, you know, because, you know, you're, you're, you're managing the, an incapacitated person's decisions. You're training family members. You're, you're a voice for improvement in Pennsylvania law and policy to, to anticipate this growing, uh, population of people who are going to need everything we're talking about. And hopefully Keystone Elder Law is part of that as well. For those of you listening, you can go to KeystoneElderLaw.com and use the workshops tab to get signed up for some of our free public education. Tina has of Good News Consulting. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Patrick. It's been my pleasure. And I hope you listen to our next episode next Saturday. And uh, we'll we'll have another uh, topic and another guest here on the Later in Life Planning Show. Thanks for listening. This is News Radio WHP 580.